Welcome to another inspirational message from Gateway North Church based out of Winnipeg, Canada. Your Sunday sermon, any day of the week. Fire, I, I learned this online, uh, so uh, if any details, if, it, if there's any teachers here and any details are wrong, please, uh, I blame the internet, but uh, fire, fire consumes oxygen. I didn't know that, I learned that. It generates carbon dioxide. Now, in a very simple, uh, from a simple observation, we know that fire alters what it touches. I mean, we tell children, be careful with fire, right? And yet we know that fire can have useful purposes. Fire is powerful. If you were to enter a dark place and all of a sudden a fire was lit, what happens? The, the darkness flees. So fire is amazing. I'm glad God created fire. But a genuine faith is like fire in a very similar way. For example, genuine faith consumes what needs to be consumed. I don't, I don't know about you, but I need some stuff still consumed in my life. Is anybody perfect here yet? I, all of a sudden, the hand goes up. <laughs> I'm not perfect yet. I want the, a faith that consumes the things in my life that still need to be consumed. It also generates, genuine faith generates change in, in our circumstances. It alters what it touches. And, and then when darkness, I, I mean, there's so much darkness in our world. There's pockets of darkness and then there's whole, you know, regions of darkness sometimes where there's conflict and pain and suffering. Well, genuine faith combats that darkness. And you know of many testimonies. I know of many stories. I heard one this week of, of a community that's been transformed. They had a crime rate that essentially 30% of the community was involved in crime. And now it's down to 3%. And it's because God's people decided to walk out their faith. So I'm excited about talking about this kind of faith today. And we're going to zoom in on verses 28 to 30 of uh, chapter 11 of Hebrews. And it might, I might repeat a little bit from what uh, has been said in previous weeks. I didn't listen to the messages. But here's what I've learned in my life, is that repetition is really good for me. In fact, I've been asking myself this question. Am I humble enough to hear things again? You know, a lot of times... I mean, I think because it's in my head, I know it. But as I often said to my son, Josh, when he was growing up, I'd often say, you know it when you do it. That's a biblical uh, sense of knowing. <laughs> now I'm preaching at myself now. <laughs> so what is this faith like, this faith like fire? We're going to start with verse 28. By faith, he, talking about Moses, kept the Passover and the application of blood so that this, the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. Now, I want us, I know you probably talked about Moses a bit last week, but I want you to imagine what Moses was facing here. The Passover was brand new. Here, what a leadership responsibility. Here he was called to initiate a brand new, what many call festival, but festival doesn't even capture it. <laughs> It involved the, the shedding of animals. It involved the putting of blood on doorposts. I mean, talk about a massive leadership responsibility. I hope you're thankful for your leaders. Leadership is a heavy weight. They didn't ask me to say this, by the way. 
But it is. All of us have led in some way, even in smaller ways. And here Moses was faced with thousands of people, and he had to motivate them and encourage them to start this new thing. We know the story, probably, but can you imagine trying to convince and motivate a group of people when they had never done this before? I mean, what a responsibility. So it was new. The Passover was also visible. I mean, there was no hiding the Passover from the Egyptians. I mean, there was the shedding of animals. This was going to involve every family. And so I don't know about you, but I actually naturally like to be kind of behind the scenes and quiet. You mean, I think I like being quiet, but I I like my own company. (laughs) That may sound bad, but I I like spending time with myself. (laughs) Anybody anybody else like that? Yeah, okay, the hands go up. (laughs) Yeah, I never disagree with myself. (laughs) It's convenient. (laughs) So though though I've been a leader for many years, I, I like being behind the scenes. I don't want to cause a stir. I'm sure the Israelites, because of the, I mean, all the conflict that they'd had with the Egyptians through the plagues and all that, I'm sure they didn't want to cause another stir. And yet this Passover that they were doing, this first Passover was going to cause the greatest stir. There was no hiding. There was no living a quiet life at that moment. And that takes me to, a, I think, a key thought on a faith like fire. A faith like fire will always be noticeable in the end. Now, day by day, people might not always see our faith, but in the end, God's call on the lives of his people is for us to be a light. That's why Israel had to be visible in this moment, is because God wanted to be a light to the nations, to Egypt, first of all, but the other nations would hear about this great, great act. So though they may have wanted to leave Egypt quietly, kind of sneak out, God had a plan to set it up so they would be a light. And God sets up our lives so that we might be a light. So yes, I want the quiet life. I don't think we should make a noise because of poor character. But because we belong to God, he calls us to have this visible faith. That's a true faith. You even think of a fire. You can't, I mean, you can't hide a fire. There's evidence very quickly. There's the light. There's a smoke. I mean, if you've ever driven through a forest that's had a fire in, in, the, in the recent past, you know. And so again, day by day, not, you know, every day might people know, but people should notice that something's different about us. That it should be a light. And much was at stake at this point. I, I mean, When I read stories from the Bible, I often try to pause and enter into the story because the more familiar we get to the story, we might lose the power of the story. Think of what was at stake. The Israelites' firstborns. I mean, this morning, I I was over in that section, there's lots of kids, and and I, I loved the worship. I also loved watching the kids and their smiles, and kids are precious. Can you imagine the weight that Moses felt as he was trying to lead the Israelites to this Passover that would lead 
to the protection of those very children, those beautiful children. There was so much at stake here. Then there was this mighty promise of deliverance. So imagine what Moses was facing. Now, had Moses ever trusted God up to that point? Had he? Of course he had. He had already gone through all these battles with Pharaoh. But he had to trust again. And that is a big part of faith, a faith like fire. It continues to take God's word seriously. Moses it was just like us human. He had trusted God. And then here he was faced again with this decision of, of leading the Israelites in the Passover. Have you ever trusted God many times and then he calls you to something else and you think, oh no, again, Lord, I know you've been faithful, God, but you want me to trust you again. That's what Moses was facing. I don't know, if I were Moses at that time, I would have said, okay, the plagues, that was good. All right, you came through, awesome. I'm tired, Lord. (laughs) But we can, though we might be weary, we can and we are wise to take God's word seriously over and over again. That is a faith like fire. Here's a question I've been asking. Do you and I have recent acts of faith? Like, can we point to something in the the recent past where we have stepped out in faith, we've trusted God? A picture I got this week was a, a flame of faith like a raging fire. That's his desire in our life where it's clear to us and to others that we trust God. Not because we're special, but because he is great. Because he is great. So it might not feel like we have much there, but it's not about what we have in here. It's about the one we are trusting in. So he says, take my words seriously. Take my promises seriously. Isaiah 66, I I literally read this uh, verse this week and I've read Isaiah many times and I don't ever remember reading this verse. I actually looked at my Bible for a second. I thought, is this a new version? It was the same Bible I've been reading for a long time. I don't know why I'd never noticed it, but that's why I love continuing to read the Bible. Because often something, the Holy Spirit grabs something. And this is a promise really in this verse in Isaiah 66 two. These are the ones I look on with favor. This is the Lord speaking. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. That sounds like someone who takes God's word seriously, who tremble at his word. But what's the result of that trembling? It's favor. That's the promise. It's, it's actually an incredible choice. I take his word seriously, but God pours out favor. And I've experienced that many times in my life. I want to tell you a bit of a story. It's going to go back way into the past. I'm not that old, but, it, but for me, it's way into the past. I'm 48. <laughs> Who's over 48 here? I don't know. I know you're not supposed to ask that question, but okay, all right. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Peter, I knew you were over 48. I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> Peter's making a note. Never invite him again. <laughs> Back in 1998, I had just uh, started a job with an accounting firm. That may sound boring to you. It was a boring job, actually. But it was a good career that I was looking at. And I had a good job with them. And they they actually had identified that one day 
I was going to be a partner in the firm, and they were using words like, you're going to make lots of money, you'll be taken care of. That was my place, and I had just gotten married to my wife, Carolyn. She's not here today. She's in the South Congregation, where we normally go. We had just got married, and she was excited. She is seven years older than me, and she had wanted to get married, and I came along, and I'm making myself sound wonderful, but, but she was happy. So we were happy. I had a good job. And then all of a sudden, one night, the Holy Spirit whispered into my ear and said, I want you to be a pastor. And when my wife got home, I said to her, I'm going to be a pastor. (laughs) I realized, probably breaking some rules about good communication, I announced it. (laughs) But I was excited. It felt so right. And then she said, but you had just finished university not too long ago and you got a good job. Uh, what does that mean for all that? I said, I don't know, but let's obey. And to my wife's credit, she said, yes. That was 25 years ago. And then, I mean, I went to seminary, worked as a pastor in Steinbach for 18 years. There's a long story behind that. But I want to make a point about that. As I said, that's 25 years ago. Past acts of God... He was faithful in response to our faith are to be a foundation for more faith. Let me say that again. Past acts of God in response to our faith are to be a foundation for more faith. You know, it actually would be a bit sad if I couldn't tell you any more stories of faith for my life. If I only could point to 25 years ago. Now that was a foundational point. God gives us those altar moments that we remember and we keep looking back on. But the point of looking back on them is so that we continue to trust God. Here's a quote by an author. I love this quote. Maybe you'll like it, maybe you won't. That's okay. I won't be offended if you don't like it. Old faith only is like old fish. It stinks. James 1.22 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. How does only listening relate to deception? Like, how does that actually connect? I think it's because when we only listen, we hear, we take it in our heads, and we can begin to think, I have faith because I've heard it. But biblically, True faith is is actually one that acts. Of course, the book of James covers that. So again, back to Moses. Here's Moses. He had acted many times. He He had shown faith many times. But here's the reality. If he had not trusted God with the Passover, they would not have left Egypt. Or they may have left, but not through Moses. That past faith he had shown was not going to get them out of Egypt. That's sobering, and it makes me wonder, have I missed anything in my life because I'm relying on my past faith? So my goal, out of this message, I mean, I encounter my own message when I prep, my goal is to make sure that my faith is really fresh, that that fire keeps burning. So I think at times it still does. I really do believe it does. In 2019, we were working in Steinbach at a church, had a great job, loved my job. I mean, there was no reason to leave. And then that whisper from God came again. 
I want you to go to Winnipeg, you and your family. There's so many people in Winnipeg who do not know Jesus. I want you to go there and reach out. I'd already been driving into Winnipeg once a week to do evangelism at the University of Manitoba. But it was getting hard to follow up with people. It was getting difficult. There were so many contacts being made. So again, I said to my wife, I think we're supposed to go to Winnipeg. See, I'd, I'd grown. I didn't make an announcement. I, isn't that amazing that I've actually grown in marriage? I, I'm excited about that. Praise the Lord. And she agreed. I mean, our kids... I don't know if we ever talked. Did we talk to you, Josh? Yeah. Well, you were excited. He was, he, Josh is in university, so he was going to be close to university. And our daughter just kind of followed along, I believe. <laughs> but we did not know what we're going to do for work. God doesn't always lay it out ahead of time. But before we even had made the move, the person who used to be the lead pastor at the church I was working at had started a ministry called Church Renewal, and he said, I heard you're going to Winnipeg. I said, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, we're moving to Winnipeg. We want to reach out. Well, talk to me before you take any jobs. And then he offered me a job, which I work at home, which is flexible and allows for outreach. Praise the Lord. God knew. But I don't want to be my last story of faith to be in 2019. I want it to continue to be month by month. So Moses had to trust, as do we, over and over again, Hebrews 11, 29, and 30. We'll go to the final two verses. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea on dry land. Whenever I read that, I always think of the movie Prince of Egypt. If you've ever seen that, I have a certain image in my mind. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. Here's another characteristic of, of faith that spreads that's like fire. It's contagious, and it's embraced by all of God's people. See, it's interesting, in Hebrews 11, we make a shift in these verses here. Up to this point, it's been talking about the faith of individuals, which encourages me that God can do mighty things through individuals. But now it begins to shift to the people. And I've realized this this week. I never really thought of it this way, but God's mighty works often depend on two things. The faith of a leader or a group of leaders, but then the faith of a group of people to follow them, to say, we're going to trust too. And so that's one of the questions I have for you as a church, as a people of God. Are you walking as well along? I mean, I sense that. When I hear about the volunteers with those trucks there, I mean, yeah, I, that's a lot of work. <laughs> it's a ton of work. I see evidence of people entering in and trusting as well. I mean, I'm a part of the uh, prayer meeting on Thursday mornings where we pray for some of these things. I see the trust. But I want to invite each person here this morning to ask, are you joining with that same genuine faith. What could God do with a whole people? We saw what he did. Look at, people around the world know the story of Israel going through the Red Sea. That story echoes to today. It testifies to who God is because the people followed. It's not a very good story if Moses only went through himself. 
I mean, still, praise the Lord if he had just obeyed. Faith like a fire is a faith that gets off the couch. The couch is comfortable. I like the couch. I mean, the actual couch is comfortable. Sometimes I don't want to get off the couch. But from a spiritual sense, we have to get off the couch. I don't know about you, but I, I would love to see our country move in a better direction. I, I mean, there's problems all over. Maybe you don't think about it. We were with friends from India on Friday. They don't know Jesus. But it was interesting what he said. He used to work in India at a very high position. He understands economy. He understands countries. He's visited many countries. He said, it won't take long before Canada is one of the worst countries in the world. And economically, morally, he said, many of our friends who moved here who have money are moving back to India. He said, it's that bad. He said, why don't Canadians see it? Now, the question is, what's our, the response to that? Now, I think there's many things we can do and people can do, but I'm talking about from our faith perspective right now. I believe a genuine faith, the people of God with a genuine faith can transform a culture. I'm not saying that because that's, you know, you should say that in church. I believe that. What I believed about even moral issues completely turned upside down when I became a believer when I was 21. Jesus changed my heart. Human zeal alone won't work. Human zeal is good, but it dies out pretty quick. It really does. We need to be involved politically. We need to pray for government. Those who are called in, we need to support them. But we won't simply move our country only by political scheming. Nor will wishful thinking change our country. Wishful thinking doesn't do anything. Oh, I hope it might get better. It can't be fear-based either. That's not genuine faith. It can't be, oh no, what might happen? It has to be a response of faith. We can impact our culture like a fire bursting through a forest if we walk with God in faith. We walk with God in faith. (laughs) Now here's the good news. God gives us the opportunity. In Hebrews, three times, there's a phrase. It's actually a a quote from the Old Testament. I want to read this phrase. It says, today, I love that it says the word today. (laughs) If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. You know, Israel, they had this mighty victory through the sea, the walls of Jericho coming down. Praise the Lord for that deliverance, amen? And then that same generation Harden their hearts. Oh, when I read that this week, I said, Lord, let my heart not get hard. I just talked about our country. I talked about how genuine faith can change our country. Totally it can. But none of us are guaranteed to keep those soft hearts and genuine faith. I'll give you an example. I mean, I love that our country is growing. I love immigration. The area we live in, We're a minority by far, and I love it. I love the food. I love how I grow as I learn about other cultures. But the other day, I was so angry as I was driving because people are driving quite slow (laughs) because they're scared. They're brand new to the country. Winter's hard to drive in, have you noticed? (laughs) 
So all of a sudden, I sense this warning. What's happening to your heart? I mean, I could, just like that, I could go, Lord, I'm so thankful for everyone coming here. Well, wow, this is affecting me getting on my errands as fast as I want. Now, I might not, we, we're human, right? It's, but I know enough about the human heart that that, if that is not monitored, if I don't stay, keep walking with Jesus, before I know it, if things get scarcer in our culture, in 10 years, I not, might not be so excited about the opportunities to meet my neighbors and I might begin to resent my neighbors. Israel had a choice. Would they trust God and obey? Now here's the amazing thing. There is an ultimate deliverance still to come at the return of Christ. Amen? We know how the story ends. Passover was a dress rehearsal. It was only pointing to the lamb who was to come, and he came. But also the judgments of Passover are pointing ahead to the judgments still to come because Jesus is coming back as a lion. So the question he asks us out of Luke 18.8 is when the Son of Man comes, he asks this question, will he find faith on the earth? Let's make a commitment in our heart today to ensure that we have that kind of genuine faith. That we don't harden our hearts. That we don't start longing for Egypt again <laughs> like the Israelites did. So I'll close with this thought. What does this look like practically? It's actually quite simple. We each have a responsibility to walk out a genuine faith, a noticeable faith, in our homes first. That, that's where it starts. Just trusting God in our homes. As parents and grandparents, I want to ask this question. I ask this question to myself. Is the most noticeable thing about me in my home is my lively faith? Is that the most noticeable thing? Second, we can walk it out in the church. We can encourage each other. We can tell our God stories to one another. We can encourage each other to trust God. Totally. It's not insensitive to say, brother, sister, trust God. The world's not going to tell us, trust God. <laughs> Here, when we gather, we need to say, trust God. Let me tell you about how God brought me through this or that. And then we need to live out this genuine faith in our neighborhoods, among our coworkers, those we meet. You might say right now, you might say, oh, but I'm just, I'm not a very outgoing person or I get intimidated. Or you might feel limited by your personality. Let me say this. God's plan all along has been to use a weak people. It just, it's irrelevant whether we feel we can do it or not. We can boast in our weaknesses like Paul because then Christ's power may rest on us. You know, I mention evangelism often. I like reaching out to the lost. I, I'm afraid that the more I do it, people think you do it because, yes, you do it a lot. You're capable. I never feel capable. <laughs> I never feel capable, but God is faithful and he always comes through. So church, can we trust God? Amen. Thank you for tuning in to the Gateway North podcast. We hope you've been challenged and inspired from God's word. To find out more about Gateway Church, head to gatewaywinnipeg.com.